0: Welcome to the Watermark OC.church podcast. Thank you for listening.
1: We're in this series called Out, and it's a, it's a great series because it's focusing on the church. I mean, fundamentally, people have questions. Why do you go to church? Why? What is the church? Why church? You know, all these kind of things. And fundamentally, the church is a response to out. You see, 2,000 years ago, or a little bit, maybe a little bit more than that, a couple of years before that, there wasn't a church. It didn't exist. There were a bunch of a Jewish folks that were following this rabbi, and uh, they believed he was the Messiah. But their dreams died when, when he was betrayed, and, and he was sold out, and he was crucified by the Romans. He died, and the movement died, right? It was over. But then something amazing happened, an amazing upset Right? Yesterday there were upsets in college football. 2000 years ago there was the most amazing upset because this guy was put to death. This guy was put in the grave not just for, you know, 30 minutes. This guy was put in the ground, you know? And 3 days. And he rose from the dead. Now, he didn't rise as a ghost. I mean, there's a lot of ghost stories and ghost things on TV and spirits and all that stuff. He didn't rise as a spirit. He rose with a body. A resurrection body, a fully human body, he defeated death. The greatest upset in history, death was defeated. There's nobody else that's ever defeated. Yeah, let's get excited about that upset. Yeah, Jan, hell, she's all in. You guys all into that upset? That's amazing for all of us. Because that means there's this incredible hope beyond the grave, beyond suffering, Beyond the scientific story that the world wants to tell you, that you, you're a random chance accident, you came from nothing, right? There is no meaning of morality. It's all what we want to make of it ourselves. We're God. And then there's no life beyond the grave. That is the story that science has for you. Now, science is awesome. I go to doctors. I believe in science. But science cannot deal with life beyond the grave. Jesus dealt with that. And Jesus dealt with that because the Bible says each one of us has brokenness in our lives. Each one of us did not follow the original design of God that he intended, that we would love God first, and we would love people. And we've all violated that love command, and we've all fallen short of God's perfect holiness, and the Bible calls that sin, and that sin separates us from God. That sin brings a lot of the brokenness that we see in the world today that we experience, even in the greatest place in the world, right? Suffering, divorce, addiction, wars, hatred, ultimately death. But Jesus, and we, just, we just sang a song that, that this God is never going to give up on us, right? Jesus never gave up and he came and he became a human and he put himself on the cross to die for you and to die for me and to bring that separation back back in relationship with God, to reconcile us with God, so that we would know the love of God, the forgiveness of God. And his death and rec- resurrection proves that he was God. And, and that's why we exist. We're a response to his resurrection. The church exploded out of an empty tomb. It didn't just explode out of nothing. The, the book of Acts that we're in is the history of the church. I encourage you to read that, but it's the history that comes out of a resurrection, at an empty tomb, and it's what the followers did with that message. And the followers, what they did with that message is, they said, I will go. I will go. Right? And we've been looking at Acts chapter 13, this amazing church in the city of Antioch. And this church existed to grow. They said, I'm going to grow. They existed to serve. They said, I'm going to serve one another with my gifts. They existed to give generously and love one another. But they also existed to go. To go out into the world and love their friends for Jesus. To go out into the workplace and and share the good news with their life and their story. To care about their family members that had no hope and that were struggling and didn't know this God that loved them. They loved them enough to go. And so this church in Acts chapter 13 was a flourishing community of faith. That's what we pray as elders for Watermark. That Watermark would be a flourishing community of faith that we'd be growing and serving and, and becoming more like Jesus in the world. The people looked at the people at Antioch and said, those people are Christians, right? Acts chapter 11, those people look like Jesus and the church should look like Jesus, not only inside the building, not only in its gathering, but the power of the church is also when it's scattering. As we say, church begins when we leave the building, guys. When we leave the building, church begins and we are scattered out there Sharing God's love, his grace, and the message of Jesus with our friends, our neighbors, and our co-workers. These folks were disciples. They were marked by the message and the mission of Jesus. And fundamentally, they had made this decision for their neighbors, for their friends, for their co-workers that were outsiders. They said, our, my friend, my co-worker is better off with Jesus than without him. Is your neighbor better off with Jesus or without him? Is your coworker better off with Jesus or without him? Is the homeless person that we feed uh, once a month better off with Jesus or without him? Are people in Orange County better off with Jesus or without him? That's fundamentally something that we have to decide in our hearts. The world tells us, you know, Jesus is just one of many options. He's a religious icon, wise sage. There's wisdom in Buddha. There's wisdom in all the religions. Jesus is just one of many choices, one of many options. But the followers of Jesus have to decide. Is Jesus one of many options or is he the option? Is he utterly unique enough for me to go and share that good news with my neighbors and friends? Is he utterly loving enough being the Son of God, that I'm going to, with love, be willing to sacrifice and struggle in a dialogue that might be awkward. (laughs) It might be an awkward dialogue. It might be difficult to love my neighbor. It might be hard to take somebody to lunch and try to listen to them and build a relationship and ask God to give me the wisdom to share Christ with them. But if Jesus is utterly unique, if he is the Son of God, if he died for our sins and rose from the dead, there is no other answer to the fundamental issue of mankind separation with God, sin death, brokenness then the answer of Jesus Christ if that is true if your friends are better off with Jesus than without them then you will go you will be willing to go you will be willing to go because you will believe that Jesus has answers for the deep needs and the brokenness in their life, if you don't believe that you're not going to go you're not going to go. He's, he's just one of many options. You know, Every, everybody, everybody has an afterlife. It's all good. It's based on good works. God weighs the scale. It's just a religious system. And, it's, and everybody decides on their own, their own way to God, and everybody finds a way to God. So why do we need Jesus? He's just one of many options. Just a good moral choice. Kind of helps me with my life. I go to church, get a nice sermon, feel good, go out, and it's all, it's all good. Well, that's not what Antioch believed. That's not what the early followers of Jesus believed because they were willing to give their lives. They were willing to take their time and talents and treasures and put them on the line to share this gospel. And many of them were persecuted and suffered and died to get the good news of Jesus in the lives of their friends. That's Antioch. And if the American church or if our church is going to be like Antioch, we have to decide, is my friend better with Jesus, my co-worker My boss, my neighbor, are better off without him. Because if we make that decision, then we're going to go, guys. We are going to go. I believe that my neighbor is better off with Jesus than without Jesus. I believe that the men that I work with in the restaurant industry, some of these good guys that I'm building relationships, I believe that They would be better fathers with Jesus than without Jesus. I believe their marriages would flourish better with Jesus than without Jesus. I believe that as they suffer and die, they will have more hope with Jesus than without Jesus. I believe as they look for purpose, there's more purpose in Jesus than there is without him. And so fundamentally, I realize I go to the restaurant industry, yes, to make money and have integrity, but I'm asking God to open doors for conversations about Jesus because I believe they fundamentally need him. And he is the reason for their life. That he created them and he gave their life to them. And that is the pulse of a missional person. That's the heartbeat of Jesus. That's the heartbeat of his church. And that's the heartbeat that needs to be in watermark. Jesus offers a hope that is greater than suffering. Jesus offers a peace that is beyond the externals of this life money, power, and success, a peace that is greater than that. Jesus Jesus offers a purpose that goes beyond selfishness and narcissism. You know, the key to our culture, psychologist says the American culture is narcissistic at the core, self-centered and narcissistic. We are pressed into the mold of consumption. Jesus offers us a bigger story than ourself and our selfishness and all about me. He offers us the greatest purpose to live for, Jesus offers us a love that crashes through conditions. What what conditional relationships we have, what conditional marriages we have, you know, if they're so throwaway, what conditional sexual opportunities we have. It's just a throwaway. We use people for our own good. Jesus offers us a covenant of love, a committed relationship between a man and wife. My marriage would not exist without Jesus at the center of it. This is the story that we have to offer. This is the hope that we have to share. This is our purpose for being here. Jesus gives us an intimate relationship with God, and we get to know that he's a good father that loves us, that is healing us and changing us through the inside out by the power of of God's spirit, which Jesus placed inside of us. This is the fundamental reason why we go. This is why Antioch went. They said, I will go. I will share the good news of Jesus with others, my neighbors, and my friends. Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, gifted people. We've talked about serving one another. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul... While they're worshiping the Lord, they're in a small group, they're in worship, they're coming together, they're sharing their gifts, they're sharing God's word, they're sharing God's messages, God is speaking to them. They're talking to one another, they're encouraging one another. This is why we have small groups in our church. This is exactly why we have small groups. Because when we join in small groups and we open the word of God and we encourage one another, we're being equipped. We're growing up in our faith, we're abiding in God's word, and we're abiding so that we can go out and bear fruit in the world. And as they do this, God's Spirit uniquely speaks through that community. Like I've seen it in my men's group many times. You know, as we open the Word of God and we talk and we share, God's Word speaks. And suddenly, somebody is set apart to go to the hospital to pray for a friend who's got cancer. And the gospel goes to that hospital bed. That gospel goes to that place. And there, they're sharing the love of Christ. Somebody uniquely is set apart to go back in his workplace with wisdom to deal with a business problem and how we could deal with a coworker, And he's the hands and feet of Jesus. See, in community, we are equipped and we're sent out to go. And so this community of faith, sharing their gifts, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Acts chapter 13. So after they fasted and prayed, laid his hand up, they, they placed hands on them and they sent them out. And we know historically, if you know the book of Acts, and if you don't know the Bible, I would encourage you to read the book of Acts. It's the history of the church. And this is an amazing moment because this is the first missionary journey. One of three that Paul will go on. And Paul will take the gospel uniquely out of the Jewish context into the Greco-Roman world, into a world of outsiders and people that did not understand and know the promises of God. And he will live the good news and he will share the good news. And churches will be planted all throughout the Reco-Roman world. And we are here today, guys. We would not exist if these men did not hear that call, were not willing to go, and they suffered for that call, and they struggled for that call. It was not easy. It was difficult and challenging at times. They had even inner conflicts at times. They weren't perfect. They struggled with themselves, and yet they were faithful. And God used these folks to change the world. And God does that over and over again. He wants to use us to go out, to be set apart, and to share his love with our neighbors and friends. And God will use us to be a part of that world-changing movement. Now, now it claims 30% of the globe, over 30% of the globe claims to be Christians. And this is the opportunity that we have to impact our culture. Uh, our God is a missionary God. If you read this book and you read this story, you can't help to be captivated from the Genesis, the beginning to the end, the Book of Revelation. It shows you that God is a missionary God. From the time that mankind said no, no to relationship with God or God's authority and walked away, the first thing that God did is He came and looked for them. Where are you? Where are you guys? And from then, when he realized what they'd done, a a plan was set into motion for him one day to send his son, and this book unveils that plan, that promise given to Israel and through Israel to bring the Messiah, which was for the whole world. This book is a missionary book. You can't help but hang out with Jesus and not feel his heart and his pulse for the world. And so our God is a missionary God, and church is the place that you get equipped to go. If you feel inadequate to go... If you don't understand how to have a conversation about Jesus or share your story, gosh, man, we would love to equip you. We'd love to have coffee with you. We'd love, our elders would love to sit with you and encourage you and pray for you as you go on mission in your workplace or in your neighborhood to help you share the story, to help you have a dialogue. That's why we exist. And so we're here to help you do that so you can go and make a difference in the world. Uh, so this, this is the first missionary journey. And God has set all us apart to go on mission, to share that message. It may not be across the world, right? A lot of us have not been called to go to India or China, right? Some uniquely have, and we call them missionaries, and we pray, and we send them out. Some are unique church planters. We planted churches out of this church. Francisco and others, Scott and Daniel, they're church planters. We play, and they go plant. But all of us are called to go back to our neighborhoods Back to our families and our communities and live the message and share the message in those communities. We're all called to be a part of this. God is not necessarily calling you to go across the world, but he's calling you to go across the street, guys. Many times it's easy to write a check and say, hey, I'm supporting the mission. I got missionaries. I've adopted a child in, in Africa and I do missions and that's all good. I'm all good. And I'm a part of that too. I do the same thing. And yet I can't help but realize that God has called me to go across the street to my neighbors and my friends. God has called me to go to the places I work, live, and play and to share that good news. And you know why that's so important in America today? Because America has become the third largest mission field in the world. America is not a Christian culture. America is in a post-Christian state. Uh, Only about 12 to 14 percent of America even goes to church. That means 86% of Americans are, un- Americans are unchurched and, 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 are, and are moving farther and farther away from a Christian culture. And, and how are these people going to be reached? How will they know the love of Jesus if the church doesn't become missionaries in its own culture? America is the third largest mission field in the world. The latest statistics point to the fact that North America is the only continent in the world where Christianity is in decline as a percentage of the population. The Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life reported in October 2012 that the number of religiously unaffiliated Americans rose from 15 to 20 percent in only five years. It's even grown since then. This increase is most prominent among the young, right? 30 and under. We're losing the next generation. We talk about this that Watermark needs to get young. Watermark needs to find a way to take these great, amazing mature believers and pass the baton to the next generation because the next generation is moving away so fast. And that's why we're here to build a bridge to young adults, to our youth ministry. That's why it's so important that we all get involved in this effort because when kids leave high school, they leave the church. That's what happens more and more. Kids who have grown up in the church, they fly away from the church at high school. How can we do a better job of teaching them the gospel, of dialogue, preparing them to go out of the world and have a Christian worldview, preparing them to have answers and reasons for their faith as they go into most institutions that will take away their faith. How do we do that? The church has to respond. North America has the third largest block of unbelievers in the world uh, besides China and India. And we're called to go. We're called to go, guys. Jesus said, you know, Pray, right? Pray that God will send us into his mission field. The church struggles to answer this call, guys. The church in America is so struggling to answer this call to go. When Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, that is so our culture harassed and helpless, without hope, without answers, suffering and struggling in addiction, broken because of homelessness. Not having purpose beyond the workplace that eventually finds that leaves them empty. Uh, the next generation is so struggling to find meaning and purpose. And as Jesus saw them, he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd and he said to his disciples, us, right? Pray. The harvest is plentiful. Orange County is a harvest field, guys. 88% of Orange County is not co- you, you pass by so many people who are not going to church today that don't have Jesus as an option in their life. Don't even care. Pray that the Lord would send workers in the harvest. Right? Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers in the harvest field and to be prayerful. Right? Here's the research that blows me away, guys. This this knocks me down. This convicts me as a follower of Jesus. Polls report that on average only 3 out of 100 church Three out of a hundred church members ever, ever share their faith with a coworker and a friend. Gosh, have, 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 has the church missed the opportunity as pastors to not equip you guys to share the God? That's on me. That's on Ben. That's on all of us, man. Do we believe that Jesus is enough? Do we believe that Jesus is the answer? Why are we unwilling to share our faith? Why don't we love our friends enough to to go to the awkward conversation, to pray for them, to have the open door, to have that dialogue? I'm not saying that's watermark, because I know a lot of you are active in evangelism, active in praying, and I appreciate that, but I know we can get better. I know we can get better. And so we need to pray and go. Why don't people go? Here's some of the top answers that are given in the research. It's not my spiritual gift. I'm not Billy Graham. You know? Well, guess what, guys? I'm not Billy Graham either. But you know what? God doesn't ask you to be Billy Graham. He asked Billy Graham to be Billy Graham, right? He asked you to be you. Uniquely you in your personality and your story. You have all that you need and the love of Christ and the Holy Spirit to make an eternal difference in the people that you meet every day that are probably never going to hear from Billy Graham, but they're going to see you, you know? Uh, the, the church is not about extraordinary people. There are some extraordinary people. I love them. But the church, the power of the church is in ordinary Joes like you and me that go into their workplaces and love their neighbors and friends. That's the power of the church. Those people inspire us, but we're the ones that go into the trenches. God's not asking you to be Billy Graham. He's asking you to love your neighbor, love your coworker, spend time with him. Uh, you know, that's what we pay our staff to do. I'm glad we hired Ben now. He's the evangelist now because he's the energized bunny. He's going to reach everybody, and I'm, I'm all good, right? Yeah? Well, guess what? You're the staff. Ben and I are not the staff. You're the staff. This is a staff meeting, right? And you, we're all on the same team, right? And we're equipping you to go out and do the work. That's what our job is to do. Not to do the work, to equip you to do the work. Together we do the work. You're the great staff, and we believe the hope is in you, and our hope for the church is in you as you scatter out. I don't want to impose my beliefs on others or come off judgmental. God's not asking you to impose your beliefs. God's asking you to have influence and share your story and your love. You don't have to impose your beliefs on anybody. God's not asking you to impose your beliefs. God asking you is asking you to share your influence through love and the power of your story. That's not imposing your beliefs. That's sharing your story and inviting. He's not asking you to impose. He's asking you to invite people to follow Jesus. Uh, what about, I'm an introvert. I get that one. I'm an introvert too, you know? And, and I struggle with evangelism. That's, that's why I take my wife with me. Because she's a human icebreaker. And Kathleen breaks the ice and gets me in and I start to feel comfortable and then I can build a relationship. I I share with people through relationship. I share with people uh, in a quiet place when God opens the door. I'm not this big, bold person. God's not asking you to be less different than your personality. God uses introverts in an amazing way to share the gospel. God uses extroverts. God can use you. That's not an excuse. I don't have time. That's probably the biggest thing that steals it because we're so busy, worrying about so many problems, making sure we've got the good life, and it's all done in Orange County. I just don't have time. But you know what, this is the only time. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. There's one thing that you're not gonna be able to do in heaven. You're not gonna be able to share Jesus with your friends. You're not gonna be able to have that conversation. You're not gonna be able to share the gospel. This is the time of grace and salvation. That's what God has called us to. And so we need to pray. In a little bit I'm gonna ask you guys, invite you guys to go outside, on this truck ramp out here, and to pray, to write the name of somebody that's on your heart. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's a neighbor, that you're going to start praying and saying, I pray that this person would know Jesus. That truck ramp out there, we're actually going to build a deck out there. You've heard about that? And it's just a symbol. That deck is a symbol that we want to be open, inviting, and praying For our neighbors and friends and co-workers that are outside of Jesus, that don't know him. That deck is an open place. We want to be an open church. This building does not exist for us. It exists for our neighbors and friends, not just for us. These open chairs are for your co-workers and friends who need to come and find Jesus in the community and experience his love and go on on an adventure. You know, people come to Christ through conversation now, not proclamation. They come because friends invite them to church. Because they trust a friend. They don't trust all the marketing. So a loyal friend, a loving friend that gets to know them and invites them to church, and they get a chance to ask questions and have a dialogue, that's how people are coming to Jesus today. That's the kind of church that we want to be. Not a proclamation church, but a conversational church, where we invite people to ask questions and get answers about Jesus. And we believe if we do that, the Holy Spirit will move on people's lives. That's what we want to be. And so I'm going to ask you to pray in a little while as we end the service, go out, write a name out there, we'll worship and pray over those names, and when we build that deck, we're going to keep going, hey, invite your friends, guys, we're having a party, harvest party, invite your friends to church. 90% of the people that come to church for the first time, is because they were invited by a friend, you know? And that's the way God is using people in culture, to invite their friends and to have a dialogue about Jesus. Uh, I've got an example of that. One of my good friends, John Filipponi, as we end our service, I've asked him to share his story. And it's about pray. Um, John is a guy that uh, works, has a job, has a family, is trying to raise a bunch of boys. Uh-huh. This guy is busy. This guy's got all issues in his life that would keep him from loving his neighbors and friends for Jesus. And yet he does because the Spirit of God is in him and he knows that he goes to the workplace, and he's on mission with God, and he's praying. And as he's praying, God is opening doors. Thanks for sharing your story.
0: No problem. Um, yeah, as Bucky said, uh, he said pray, and that's the acronym um, that I came up with. I wanted to be a little funny. I was going to do uh, PB and J because I have three kids, peanut butter and jelly, but that didn't work out. So I'm going to stick with uh, just pray. And what uh, what it stands for, P, would be for pray. You know, um, just pray for opportunities, um, specifically me at, at, uh, at work, for the people, my coworkers, and so forth, um, just for opportunity. Uh, and then also uh, praying for insight um, for those relationships and, and what we're discussing and, and uh, um, the opportunity to, uh, to plug in the gospel and where that would fit. Um, R would stand for relationship and building trust Uh, With my coworkers and and, um, my customers. Uh, A would be awareness um, and then Y would be my story. So as I break those down, um, P, prayer, um, I just, having the conviction, it took time for me to be um, uh, just faithful when it came to prayer. Uh, Sometimes I just try to strong will everything and think, okay, God, I'm just going to go in there and I could do it. Um, Then I realized, you know, God humbled me and said, hey, you got to be vulnerable. You got to pray. You got to plant the seed. Um, so, just you know, me getting on my knees and praying that God open those opportunities. And um, one opportunity in mine um, was uh, my customer. I am this uh, at my customer Monday through Friday, and um, I'm using their office. They have a little conference table uh, to work, and uh, she works at her desk right next to me. So we built this trust over time and this relationship over time, and. Um, she shared with me, uh, one of her friends, um, follows another faith and was just explaining how, you know, she has to do all these things to achieve, uh, righteousness and holiness and all these things. And I'm like, okay, God, is this the opportunity, you know, should, should I, uh, uh, intervene and, and, and share the gospel at this time? And, and, um, uh. At that moment, I was able to say, you know, explain what the gospel was about, that you can't do these things on your own merit. You know, a lot of times us as humans, we want to think that we could do that where it's like, hey, if I'm, you know, holy or, or if I could achieve these things or, or be at this top level, I've achieved it. I'm spiritual. But the reality was, and, and I had a hard time with this too because I thought, oh, you know, I'm all spiritual and that that just wasn't the fact. Um, you know, I realized that, hey, I got a sinful heart and I explained you know, to her the same thing, that vulnerability of like, you know, I don't have it together, you know, and, and that's, that's how awesome this gospel is, you know, that you can't do it on your own, there's nothing you could do, your hands are tied, you know, we're all guilty, you know, we're all on the same boat, and from that, um, that trust that I was able to build with her um, prior to that, she was more uh, susceptible to more or less receive that good news, and, and, and really, um, I guess really marinate on it and be like, wow, you know, I've, you know, i never heard, I've never heard it like this before. And out of that, she was able to, you know, she jumped on Netflix and was watching the Bible series and, and all these different things. And now she has like her own Bible with her name on it. And I'm just like, you know, wow, this, this isn't something that I did. It was just um, me praying our, Relationship building, that relationship, a awareness, being like, oh God, this is this is what you're doing, and um, and then why my story or your story, I was able to, um, you know, express my vulnerability of, hey, I don't got it all together, and this is what God did in my life, He could do it in your life, and um, you know, I'm still praying for her. Um, and as Bucky shared, you know, after service, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to write. Uh, her name's Maylene, and put her name out there and, and believe God. You know, I, c- I can't do it on my own. I can't, you know, um, bring salvation to her. That's only the Holy Spirit can move in her own life. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, John.
1: John, we're gonna we're gonna pray um, for Maylene. Yeah. And uh, as we do that. Uh, I want you to be thinking about, God, who's the person in my life at, at my workplace, at my school, you know, on campus, the people I hang out with? Uh, who's the person at the gym? My wife and I are, I'm doing a PT and my wife's taking me to this gir- girly gym. I'm going to this girly gym because I'm, I'm too, too weak, but there's this woman in this girly gym, I'm just teasing, she's, she's a stud, but she's kicking my butt, but she needs Jesus. I'm there for her. My cat and I are already talking about, we need to, she's such an amazing person. Let's take her to dinner with her husband and we'll bring this person over. She knows, and we're going to start to love this woman for Jesus because she needs Jesus. You know, that's, that's why we go, God. That's why John's there. Because the lost in God's heart, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. And there are people in your circles of influence that you see every day, like Malene. That you're there for them. Your personality is there for them. Your vulnerability. He's not Billy Graham. He's John Filipponi. He's the perfect, perfect person to share the gospel with his friend. You're the perfect person in Christ to share the gospel with your friend. That's why God puts you there. And so let's pray. And then we're going to close our worship service by going out. The worship band's out there. I want you to go out and be thinking and praying. As we go out the ramp, write a name down. We're going to commit to pray for those names. Uh, we're going to take some pictures, and we're going to commit to pray over those names as a staff. And we're going to be with you in partnering. And as you start to invite those friends and talk to those friends, if you need help, we're here for you. We, we're, help, we're here to help you in those conversations. We're here to encourage you, to support you as you love your friends for Jesus. So that's how we're going to end our service. Let's bow our heads here. Let me pray. Father, thank you for May Lee. Thank you for John Filippone that, Lord, even in his vulnerability and brokenness, he, he goes to his workplace asking you to work miracles, asking you to open doors so he can share his story about how you loved him in the dark places of his life, how you came and rescued him through your son Jesus, how you're healing his heart. And use that story to heal this woman's heart. May, she, may you open her eyes and take the blinders away that she might see that it's not about religious effort. It's about your love and the gospel of grace. And may she accept your forgiveness. May she accept your love May she accept the eternal hope that only you can bring Jesus. We pray for her and we pray for every name, every name that you're putting on our hearts right now, Holy Spirit. Would you use us, Lord God, that those names would be written in heaven forever, that those names would be in the book of life. Would you use your servants and your your children in this room to love and to share your grace and truth that lives might be changed forever? And so as we go now and worship you, Give us these names and help us to be prayerful. Help us to be intentional in building relationships. Take away our fear, our pride. Give us wisdom to answer when we're asked about the hope that is within us. Help us to know how to have conversations about you in a gracious way and invite people to follow you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: To find out more about us, go online to watermarkoc.church.